Good evening, and welcome to another night of T's and Z's, a podcast to help you get a better night's sleep. I am one of your hosts, Scott Elcherson. Doug, hello, my co-host. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Another fine evening talking about terms of service with you, Scott. Uh, Doug, you know, there's nothing I like more than uh, hanging out with you behind the mic and lulling our listeners to sleep by talking about terms of service agreements. If you're new to the show, let me just give you a quick breakdown uh, of what T's and Z's is. It's very straightforward. It's a show that you can turn on as you start to wind down and then slowly drift off to sleep knowing full well that as we're going back and forth and having a conversation, you're not missing out on anything important. Uh, That is because we're talking about the most boring documents on the internet, which are terms of service agreements. It's those things that you agree to uh, without ever reading uh, because they're way too long and way too boring. So we're trying to put those to good use by establishing some really nice conversation and dialogue to help you fall asleep at night. I mean, Doug, again, have you have you found this to be effective? Are you falling asleep when we're talking? I occasionally get a little glassy-eyed when reading some sections, and I do always sleep a little bit better after recording one of these episodes. Gives you something to really, you know, attach your mind to, uh, and that's the, like that's just the whole idea of this like dialogue as the metronome for your mind. So, welcome to the show. All right, so we're going to dive into this week's episode of T's and Z's, where we'll be talking about Twitch.tv's terms of service. Doug, are you an avid user of Twitch? Have you been on the platform before? I have been on the platform before. Okay. I would not call myself an avid user of the platform. Really? As a man of video games, I thought you'd be more interested in it. Well, so I get the idea of streaming, but i rather play the game. I have never hit the point where I found it more enjoyable to watch somebody else play the game as opposed to me playing the game. But also with Total War recently, I have found that it is fascinating to watch people that are way better than me play the game mm. um, and see what they do. I don't find the same enjoyment though with like shooters. Like watching somebody be really good at a shooter, I'd rather see a 15 second clip. I love it. But do you want to watch three hours of them doing it or do you want to watch a 15 second clip? Both. Again, strategy wise, it's interesting to see how people move and play and I think helps inform my gameplay. But listeners, if you're unaware, or I should say sleepers, if you're unaware of what Twitch is, it's uh, the premier video streaming platform. Uh, they're known for, and they got their fame for game streaming. So as Doug mentioned, literally uh, people will play video games on the platform uh, and you can tune in and watch and comment and be there for the fun. But they also have a bunch of different type, type of content that'll be streamed on the platform. So things from Dungeons and Dragons uh, to podcasting, live streams, music production, art, uh, and even weightlifting, which is, you know, so pretty vast amount of categories available to watch on Twitch, but their core audience and content is all about uh, video game streaming. This is the company's terms of service that we're going to be diving into tonight. And just to give some quick background, um, the word count for the Twitch's TV's Twitch.tv terms of service is 6,604 words. So kind of in like the middle of the ground here for um, length of a terms of service. There is an arbitration agreement at the very end. And what I thought was interesting as we were reviewing this terms of service is that there are 11 other terms or documents that are referenced within the terms of service that you agree to when you accept these terms of service. So there are the community guidelines, the Twitch terms of sale, Twitch's privacy notice, Twitch's privacy choices, three uh, documents all about FTC guidelines when it comes to native advertising and endorsements on the platform, uh, the DMCA uh, regulations and guidelines, Twitch, tw- Twitch trademark guidelines, Twitch community guidelines, and Twitch music guidelines. So 
if you were to try and read all of this to understand and know what you were accepting, I mean, this is a novel. <laughs> well, I will say this will be my four. This is my fourth terms of service that I've read on this podcast. It is by far the longest, the most dense. And I have to say, I feel like that is the criteria which I would judge the lawyers that write them on. It's like, I feel like the Amazon, because Amazon owns Twitch, right? Amazon owns Twitch. Yeah, they have better lawyers than everybody else. Like, this thing is like ironclad, it feels like. Like, you like, you know, they're calling out every possible caveat. Um, it feels like when I, and I only read like four sections prior to this, and I was already like, this is more, this right. is more in depth than previous ones. And specifically, I think it was section seven, the license section. Ooh, it's a thick boy. I would say in general, most terms of services are more like Twitches. It's just, there's been a, in the startup world, there have been some that are a bit more consumer friendly, but definitely if you're owned by Amazon, you're getting the full legal treatment and they're not here to make them consumer friendly because they're a massive corporation uh, and they need to protect their, their company. So it makes sense as to why they're very, they're, they're thick and they're, and they are super dense. So with that, we should, I think, just dive into section one here, Doug, which is introduction, your agreement to these terms of service. I don't think we need to read the whole section here because basically this first section just defines what twitch.tv is, what the Twitch products are, um, which are basically their website, their application, uh, and some third-party or not third-party services, but uh, anything else that might be built by Twitch that is incorporated into a Twitch service. Um, But what I thought was most interesting is I thought they did a really good job of outlining when these terms of service apply to you. And what they say here is that uh, you agree that by clicking sign up or otherwise registering, downloading, accessing, or using the Twitch services, you're entering into a legally binding agreement between you and Twitch regarding your use of the Twitch services. Uh, and then you acknowledge that you have read, understood, and agree and, and be bound by these terms of service. They kind of do a pretty good job of outlining that exact moment of either signing up or otherwise using their services. That is essentially you agreeing to their terms of service. I agree that they have a very explicit call out in terms of what the call to action is for most of the time. Using the Twitch services is still pretty broad in terms of what that could encompass anything that they build. Um, and it says here, their Twitch services are basically what is available at twitch.tv. Uh, it's network of websites, software applications, or other products or services that are offered by Twitch. That is the Twitch services bundle. So it's kind of accounting for anything that's out there today, but then potentially they'll develop in the future. Again, the, the two main ones twitch.tv for desktop and then their mobile app are the two touch points i would say our our listeners might interact with the most i would imagine so well that's just kind of the thing with these terms of service if you use them you've agreed to them then it's never like there's room for us to discuss how many (laughs) points that you might find disagreeable within this these following sections right and then one of the other things here is if you are opening a Twitch account uh, on behalf of a company or some sort of entity or organization, you need to make sure that when you sign up, you have the proper uh, authority and authorization to do that. So just be, just be aware, because uh, the last thing you want to do is sign up for 
your company organization and you, and you know the proper authority you can kind of get yourself into some trouble on the personal side because you've now taken on liability for your company so just make sure you have those proper um clearances if you are making a corporate page or whatever it might be or is there going to be a t's and z's corporate page that we should be aware of scott and if so who is the one authorized to set that up with twitch <laughs> uh, that'd be me I honestly did think about streaming this episode on Twitch today. The geriatric population might be interested in a 741 <laughs> p.m. sleep podcast. You never know. That's true. There's, it's a it's a good point. Granted, I would imagine the Venn diagram of geriatric population <laughs> watching a live screen live stream of Twitch at 742 p.m. at night is a very small, small overlap. <laughs> yeah, I don't think our audience would be uh, too large for us there. All right, so that's section one, pretty pretty standard. I wouldn't say anything crazy uh, to call out there, but uh, Doug, section two, you want to kind of give us give us a little background on here. Uh, section two is the use of Twitch by minors and blocked persons. Yeah, let me just, I'll just jump right into it and then kind of pick apart my thoughts afterwards. Section two, use of Twitch by minors and blocked persons. The Twitch services are not available to persons under the age of 13. If you're between the ages of 13 and the age of legal majority in your jurisdiction of residence, you may only use the Twitch services under the supervision of a parent or legal guardian who agrees to be bound by these terms of service. The Twitch services are also not available to any users previously removed from the Twitch services by Twitch or to any persons barred from receiving them under the laws of the United States, such as export restrictions and regulations or applicable laws in any other jurisdiction. Let me stop you there for a second. How funny would it be if there were actually parents that were... Well, I guess I guess you did this, right? You made dad sit next to you. <laughs> Actually, okay. I totally forgot that you made that happen. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Never mind. I asked my own question. Well, let's be clear. <laughs> I don't think the average per the average child is actually getting their parents to come on and watch Twitch with them. But they might. That entire first part of the section, pretty cut and dry. If you aren't old enough to be using it, you have to get supervision. If you've been banned can't use it um there is a third part of the section which i'm immediately intrigued about because it's in all caps and unlike you scott i like to i like to save these for surprise day of the podcast and not prepare ahead of time Um, (laughs) so i'm just gonna jump right into this to find out what it's all about i think i think what you're gonna discover is it's pretty redundant of the first two sections and it's like additional clarity for like the legal team to be like we covered up our bases but it's in all caps scott it's in all caps i'm on this journey with you let's explore by downloading installing or otherwise using the twitch services you represent that you are at least 13 years of age that your parent or legal guardian agrees to be bound by these terms of service if you are between 13 and the age of legal majority in your jurisdiction of residence and that you have not been previously removed from and are not prohibited from receiving the twitch services i gotta say i do like the fact that i read that because i didn't realize that if you're if you're if you're not legally like uh old enough to be using this service that you're basically signing a contract for your parents to be bound by these terms of service <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes you are which i did not put that together when reading the first two cent or first two oh, sections really? well i'm kind of just gunning when I'm reading and I'm really just trying to focus on saying uh, the word correctly, I'm and sometimes right, it's not yep. fully processing in my brain, but yeah, <laughs> that's what that means though. Um, that time though, when they specifically called out, 
that your guardian is responsible. I'm like, ooh, children, man. You never know what they're going to get into. Sometimes they sign in for legal agreements. That's kind of what I'm curious about. Like, How can they not be old enough to use a service, but be old enough to then sign me up for like, uh, for, for agreeing to it? It makes no sense to me. Well, you as a 13-year-old aren't signing your parents up for it. You have to ask your parents and they sign up for it. So all the legal liability goes to like your parents. But if you're a, you know, a, uh, uh, a mischievous child and you just click accept the terms of service and, you know, hop on the club penguin, technically your parents are now at liability for that in legal terms. In like life lessons terms, who knows? But in legal world, your parents are now. But then is that sign up even valid under the court of law? I don't know. Feels like no. How I've been reading all these terms of services is that if they click the accept button, they sign up their parents. But then somehow you have to prove that they acted on their own accord. But then it's a child. So how do you even prove that? Right. I don't know. It gets to me. That's a legal gray area, but also not a lawyer. Also not a lawyer. Maybe somebody out there knows. So maybe somebody knows. All I'm saying is it's strange. I get it. But yeah, I don't think it would hold up. But also, I'm not a lawyer. And none of this is legal advice. <laughs> Definitely not legal advice. So section three uh, is that there is a privacy notice, which is just a section describing or telling you to go read the privacy policy. That's all the section is. So it's our first section where it references a, a um, another document to go check out. And heck, we might even do an episode on the privacy policy because that would be interesting. Yeah. Don't worry, guys. If you like long documents, this one's longer than their terms of service. Um, Well, more sections, less length to the sections, actually. Um, 17 sections on the privacy. Oh, I am mistaken. It's 18 sections on the terms of service. So terms of service edges out by one and definitely has more... um, meat on the bone per section i would say twitch's whole like legal page has the most documentation on it i've seen across the 30 companies that i've read or 32 34 whatever it is now but they do make it easy to navigate so that's a plus yeah i even see a section for transparency report which i'm not entirely sure what that is but it's probably data transparency like how and what ways they use your data when you sign up for the services i think I don't know. It's got pictures in it, though, so that's nice. Uh, look at that, you know? Really appealing to their audience. <laughs> Visuals, pictures. These are things that we like. It's what I need. <laughs> could, you, could you imagine if somebody made, like, a picture book for their terms of service? Or it was, like, all visuals? I do feel like I would enjoy that more. Should we make a picture book? I don't know if we can break this medium, Scott. I feel like I feel like it's the... Well, I guess if you had a store where you could sell a picture book. A children's book. A terms of service children's book that can then be read to children to make them fall asleep. Correct. Yeah. Now you're on the same wavelength as I am. That means that we'll need to make our own terms of service because then we'll have services. But then we'll copy paste whatever we find online because it'll be fine. You either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And I can't wait for the T's and Z's episode where we read the T's and Z's terms of service. I'm going to make sure they're super complex. It'll be like a three-parter. Each one an hour 15. So we'll put a pin in that for later because that's a great idea. Next up is section four, which is all about your account and passwords. Um, I would say this is very similar to the other terms of services that we've been reading um, when it comes to your responsibility with your account and your password. First and foremost, as a user of the twitch.tv services, uh, you are responsible for your account security and keeping your password safe. 
And if there's any issues that come up, maybe a breach, you have to notify Twitch, uh, as well as um, you agree that you are not going to permit others to use your account information uh, or share your account password or anything like that. So kind of like that standard uh, terminology language just around your responsibilities with your account and the security of it. What else is interesting, though, is they have um, third-party accounts, which is something that they call out, which is basically if you're going to connect your Twitch account to, let's say, Streamlabs um, or like LinkedIn's live streaming service, what the third-party account just says is that when you make that connection, you are now also responsible for understanding and reading and accepting that service's terms of service. So that's it. But just something they should know about because you can make those connections between your account and other products on the internet. Very easily. It's just a username, password, boom, boom. You've accepted another 12 documents in terms of legal documentation. It's great. (laughs) Um, But I do think that makes sense to have in there. You know, you can't police outside. Like you can barely barely police inside your own world let alone what other people do with the data once they once you sign up for another service and connect your account like that right um i do find one thing interesting in terms of uh the account and passwords that twitch at the very end reserved all legal rights and remedies to prevent prevent unauthorized use of twitch services including but not limited to technological barriers ip mapping and in some serious cases, directly contacting your internet service provider regarding such unauthorized use. Well, that's interesting. Let's unpack this one for a second. I get why, because like, you know, people are making their own content. You have no idea where it's going to pop up on here. So you need to be able to like say, we're going to go do this. But I never really thought they'd be out there contacting internet service providers if somebody's doing something like that. ISPs are technically under like the classification of essential. So they don't, they don't do any monitoring or policing of their pipes they just provide the pipes and they aren't responsible for like what goes across it on both extremes huh so it would be interesting to see how and in what way twitch could influence let's say an isp like comcast to cut off my service well they have to do some type of policing because pirate bay they're on out there everybody's heard of it people pirate videos and movies off of the internet and watch them on their laptops if you don't use a vpn from what i've heard you can get flagged by your internet service provider for downloading illegal copies of movies or whatever else you're downloading from pirate bay games whatever you have up to like five strikes of it before they cut you off from the internet so maybe they do do more than i i think I guess, but that's like the theory mm-hmm. around ISPs. Like they're, they're, they're like that the pipes, I guess they aren't responsible for anything on there. But to your point, maybe they, they can monitor and take some actions if they so choose. I would think so. From what I've heard, it appears in the browser of like, your laptop to say like, hey, stop it. <laughs> well, should we go to the Pirate Bay and find out? I'm on my work laptop, so probably not. <laughs> I think more than my ISP would have something to say about me downloading a movie to this laptop from Pirate Bay. The Pirate Bay, the galaxy's most resilient BitTorrent site. The Pirate Bay provides access to millions of torrents available on the internet. Always hide your IP and stay anonymous before downloading torrents. That's the first thing this website says. And it has an ad for uh, a VPN that you can get. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to sound really strange, but my first introduction to VPN was talking to people that torrented content from Pirate Bay. And I always associated that with torrenting stuff. And then I graduated college, started working, and everywhere you work, 
They're like, yeah, I got on the VPN the first day. And I was like, why are we getting on VPN? I was like, that's weird. I'm like, are we like, <laughs> like are people like pirating stuff here? And then I was like, um, does everybody here have LimeWire? Yeah. <laughs> is this ripping gigs of music? Yeah, I was like, this is weird. <laughs> and I quickly was like, you know, I should probably brush up on some of my own knowledge about like what else it's used for and there's a lot of stuff it's used for right yeah it's not like a <laughs> a shady place or it's just torting content yeah. oh could you imagine it's like a whole company set up has an official business and all they do is just like torrent stuff all yeah, day long like, that'd be kind of funny know, it's just, it's in our benefits package we provide a vpn so you can torrent all the movies you want on your free time <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was i was like wow that's weird well i'm actually running a vpn right now doug shout out to nordvpn Maybe they'll sponsor us at some point. I don't know if we keep on associating with pirates of the internet. They might not be a huge <laughs> fan of it. <laughs> the Captain Jack Sparrows of the internet. Mm-hmm. There you go. So the ISPs do have some sort of moderating in place, but I would say it's under the category of like the extremes. One more thing to call out is that you can't sell, rent, lease, share, provide access to your account. So again, covering up on, the, on all those potential use cases. I don't think I get this. Well, I get that why they have to put it in there because they have to, because they don't want to find the scenarios where it crops up and then be like, oh, well, we really didn't think this would happen. So we didn't put it in there. So like put it in there and then if it ever just crop up, like it's fine. But I can't think of a time where like, what was that guy's name? Ninja? Yep. If he like had an account and then was like, all right, I'm going to go on vacation for like two months. So I'm going to lease out my account to like Mr. Beast um, that people would be like, what the what the heck is going on? I don't like any of this. Because like you're there for the person. Yeah. But I don't know. Again, we're, we're thinking about like one use case here. I'm sure there are lower level tiers or accounts or networks i guess you could do something uh, where, like, who, if you had like yeah. an animated show you could then lease out your like account like if you had like a following for your animate like your, your show mm-hmm. and during like the off season like where you're like writing you could then like lease out your account to somebody else to use for your streaming like your subscriber base to run their show under your account which i feel like would fall more into syndication than leasing but yeah and plus you you, like, you, you would want to get paid for that so i don't know their business incentives are not aligned with leasing, but who knows? I'm sure there's a fringe use case that we just haven't seen that's out there that would apply to that. I'm sure somebody one day will comment on this podcast and tell us why we're wrong. It's the superpower of the internet. What else we got going here? Uh, section five, use of devices and services. This is just a section saying that when you use a Twitch service, it'll probably be on your computer or your mobile phone and you are responsible for paying those phone bills. <laughs> like that's it. Or the fees or you know, like your, your, like your monthly internet fee, um, you're responsible for paying those bills uh, to access while accessing the Twitch service. Man. Got to pay the pipes, baby. If somebody tried to sue Amazon for the, for not, because they went over on their phone bill and used, due to using Twitch. I'm like, good luck. You will be buried in litigation. Um, I will say in terms of this next section, I am kind of curious about it because it's section six, modification of these terms of service. Twitch may amend any of the terms of these terms of service by posting the amended terms. Your continued use of the Twitch services after the effective date of the revised terms of service constitutes your acceptance of the terms. Hold on. I got two. Th- I got I got two things on that. First, that first sentence is absolutely like ridiculous. It's like, it's the same sentence. Oh, agreed. Twice, right? Twitch may amend any of these terms of services by posting the amended terms. It's like, it's, it's the same. It's just the we same. We may do this by doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, exa- it's exactly that. I just like hurt my, like kind of put my brain in a pretzel for a little bit. But then the second thing, use after a change has been updated, very consistent across every term of service I've seen. 
basically, if, if they make an update and you continue to use the service, you accept them. Agreed. Reading these terms of service is helping me when writing emails at work for knowing when I'm getting too wordy and overly complex. I'm like, if it starts to sound like I'm reading something from the T's and Z's podcast, I'm probably I'm probably using too many words. Learning things. You never know where you're going to learn things in life. That is very true. I learn a lot of things all the time. I love it. The other part of the section, Doug, as we're still in section six. Oh, yes. I wanted to highlight because this is new. I haven't seen this paragraph before. This is what I was interested about. For residents of the Republic of Korea, Twitch will provide reasonable prior notice regarding any material amendments to its terms of service. All amendments shall be become effective no sooner than 30 calendar days after posting, provided that any amendment regarding newly available features of the service features of the service that are beneficial to the user or changes made for legal reasons may become effective immediately. I have never seen the Republic of, of Korea being called out before. And I can only assume there is a high proportion of users of Twitch, as well as content creators that are based in Korea, where they need to have this section flagged when it comes to how things are updated and modified. Also, effective no sooner than 30 days after posting and provide reasonable prior notice. For a second, I, th- I read that as they had to they had to provide notice 30 days before like, any amendments changes. I'm like, man, that's like, like it's not impossible. It's hard. Like, it's, like, that's a lot of that's a lot of advanced notice. I feel like people in the company probably wouldn't get that much in advance notice. Be like, hey, we need to make this change today because this came up. All right, cool. We get in like the next week done. Like change uh, terms of service amended. Well, Doug, we've done it. We are we are now at section seven, which is the licensing section. We don't have to read everything because you're going to be stuck on <laughs> these three paragraphs for like 15 minutes. <laughs> Let me just give it the old college try. Section seven, license. The Twitch services are owned and operated by Twitch. Unless otherwise indicated, all content, information, other materials on the Twitch services, excluding user content set out in section eight below including without limitation twitch's trademarks and logos the visual interfaces graphics designs compilation information software computer code including source code or object code services text pictures information data sound files other files and the selection and arrangement thereof collectively the materials are protected by relevant intellectual property and Proprietary rights and laws. Proprietary. It felt wrong when <laughs> it felt wrong when I said it. Proprietary. You know, like you're like I can probably make that jump. It's not that far away. I can. Yeah. And then you like you go to jump. And you're like, oh, I can't make this jump. I when I saw it, I'm like, I I recognize the word proprietary. Yeah, I know that word. All right, I'm actually pretty okay with leaving it there. It, <laughs> I think it, it's pretty straightforward. It just talks about the licensings of Twitch. Yeah, okay. So Section 7, again, is similar to previous documents where they talk about all of the essentially IP rights that Twitch has and the ways you can and cannot use them. And so when you do sign up for Twitch, you do get a very limited license to use some of the Twitch IP and trademarks and logos but they have rules and are limited in the ways you can use them for both personal and business uses. So they're like, they're not completely cutting everything off because obviously for some things they're going to want the co-branding. They're going to want to have their logo spread across the internet on like on marketing copy, you know, individual creator projects. Like that's all great free advertising and branding for them. But 
there's definitely a an agreement somewhere that tells you how and in what ways you can use them and their logos are trademarks sound files anything that like is associated with a twitch brand which even includes like text on twitch's website like if they have certain like custom font up to like the logo everybody's got a font nowadays i want a custom t's and z's font i could see it now it could be real sleepy like wait, what font would induce sleep definitely not comic sans times new roman maybe but like that seems a little too sharp we we, we need some soft we know it's interesting times new roman it was a standard part standard font for so long times now new roman, it's double space times new roman double space now it's um ariel that's Ariel's like, big that, I like that's like the standard font across everything now except like word docs they're still like mm, we'll stick with times new roman but everything else pops up in ariel well, no, a lot of the Microsoft has now switched over to Calibre. I don't like that one as much, if I'm being honest. I like that one. Personally, I like I like the Calibre more than Times New Roman. That's been nice. Of course, Apple is standard Hel- Helvelica still. What is the font of an iPhone? Like when, I, when, when I'm texting somebody, do we know what the font of that is? I don't know. San Francisco is the name of the font used for both the uh-huh. iPhone and the iPad. I do like the font on iPhones and iPads. Why do you think they don't use it on their other products? I've actually never thought about the font on an iPhone message before. Not once. Really? But I'm glad I'm glad we had this conversation. No, I had no idea. I would have never guessed. Like to me, it's just that. It's iMessage. Open your eyes, Scott. <laughs> so much more out there. And I got to say, they really nailed down the color combination. But there's something about that green text message that really bothers me. When I like the Android text message, I'm like, oh. <laughs> It doesn't look as nice as that uh, that blue gray. And I feel like that was a choice that something Apple that Apple made. Yeah, that, that is a choice. Apple can make the messages go blue to Android if they want to, but they don't. Yeah. And it, it's a it's a marketing thing. It's a product like feature like to drive ecosystem. Like it's one of the most successful like product features to drive like adoption and retention I think ever seen. Nobody wants to say it when you create a group chat and it's all iPhones and you have to recreate the group chat when something gets an Android. The group chat gets less fun, um, especially when you're trying to to tap back or react to messages, and then all of a sudden you start getting those that stream of, you know, Scott like Scott like Scott exclaims like oh, they're playing like 4D chess, uh, and we're just trying to make a group chat work, <laughs> but they, they're starting to work better now they have in the past so that that's a plus you want ecosystem lock-in for your users but you want oh, what's it called interpolarity oh god I'm b- interoperability yeah that's man you're clearly seeing the fact that i read a lot of work i learn a lot of words through reading <laughs> i never say them out loud um <laughs> but that's a key like that's the other key part of those that like you don't want to be so siloed off that you can't use your device with other people's devices like mm-hmm I mean, look at it, even crossplay is coming to like PS, like PlayStation and Xbox and PC. Like those that the that wall is coming down a little bit across the board, across a lot a lot of different sectors. Crossplay is one of the greatest things that, that that has happened in the past like two years. Other people may say no, but for me personally, I love that I can now play online with my boys on different platforms. That is huge. It is, and I think it makes a lot of sense for for develop like for for independent like we're not independent, but like these publisher developer combinations that are like making the games for multiple platforms to be able to then have their user bases interact across multiple platforms which though i gotta say microsoft 
really played strong hand buying Bethesda and just being like, we're going to turn every Bethesda game to an Xbox exclusive. When did they announce that? I thought they weren't going to do that. I'm pretty sure they said all Bethesda's games are going to be Xbox exclusive now. No, no, there's no way. That's because like, that would be huge. Maybe it's an update too. Cause like when I first heard, or like when I read about the, the initial acquisition of Bethesda games, they were going to keep all of the games with the same platforms that they were already developing for. I guess maybe I misinterpreted a headline. I'm trying, I'm not seeing anything definitively saying one way or the other, if it's going to be exclusive or not, but they have the option to, and that would pull huge to Xbox sales. But then it also goes back to like, you know, what are their priorities in buying Bethesda? I do think the exclusive market is going to become more competitive as crossplay also grows. Like, like you do want to have a strong set of exclusives to win the 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 platform battle. Like it's like um it's across any like hardware based um market, like phones, servers, Xboxes, it's like what applications can you run on it? And like, and like how, like, like what is the inter interoperability because, and then also what was exclusive to it? Like, what can you do only on that platform? That's great that you can also do. And then what can you do that everybody can do on other platforms? Yes. That that's one way to think about it. However, think about Microsoft's overall strategy. Uh They've been all about like having their core products, like windows, you know, the office suite available on any device like them all of a sudden switching to exclusives. I mean, yes, they, they, they have had exclusives in the past, right? Like Halo was an exclusive to Xbox. Mm-hmm. Originally designed for Mac. The benefit to them, I mean, like, if they're buying all these game studios, the way I look at it is like they'd lose money if they made all their games exclusive to Xbox. They would lose more money than, than they would gain by making them exclusives. If anything, maybe they'll make new exclusives, but the core franchises that, like, that Bethesda has are going to stay cross-platform because now they're like that money's going to contribute to Microsoft's bottom line, which is going to be more than what they could probably convert to buy Xbox is my working theory. Maybe. So this is what I have in terms of what made me think that all of them are going to be exclusive moving forward. Phil Spencer said, obviously I can't sit here and say every Bethesda game is an Xbox exclusive because we know that's not true. There's contractual obligations that we're going to see through and they currently exist and they have communities and they're not going to pull support away from those like current. Exi- so I think like Skyrim online, like nobody not going to say pull support from people that are playing on like PlayStation that have been playing for years. But if you're an Xbox customer, the thing I want you to know is this is about delivering great exclusive games for you that ship on platforms where game pass exists. So it is about building out future content that is exclusive to Xbox that only is accessible through game pass, which is their subscription service for like, Games. Right. Well, yeah, which, which, so I can see some like new stuff going forward, right? They're building up plenty of resources to build new things that are exclusive to their Game Pass service that you would want to subscribe to. But then potentially, hey, it could be available on PlayStation. Why not? Because at what point does the revenue of Game Pass outweigh the revenue of new Xboxes? And so if that be, and then that could be interesting. It's like moving from Blockbuster to Netflix. You're not, you're no longer, think about it. How often do you buy, like when Netflix was in the prime of its life, when it had all that, all the rights to a bunch of different stuff, it was the streaming platform to be on. Everybody wanted to work with Netflix. It had so many great movies, so many great TV shows. Now they're doing way more originals, 
less they don't they don't have Warner Brother movies on there anymore. Like all that stuff is gone. So this is the unbundling period of Netflix where the, we're going to see if Netflix's content slate can get them through like the next four years until we see the fringe OTT services fall out and then they, the content will come back. And I think they're going to be fine. Oh, I agree. I, but like Peacock, for example, NBC, like all like, all that content will probably go back to Netflix for another streaming service, right? I would imagine it goes to Hulu because I think that's all kind of bundled. No, I guess Hulu is owned by Disney. Um, Hulu is owned by Disney. But what I, like that's what I'm saying. So like that's kind of what's going on in the content space. There, but there's parallels between that and what's going on in like the game market space in terms of like right. Epic Store, Steam, Game Pass, PlayStation Store, like all these different like, and they all have subscriptions where you can be like, I want to subscribe to have access to this set of games. Um, but it's about building out a catalog. That is yeah. Yeah, across the board, what every company's trying to do right now is build out a catalog for whatever space you're in. Even the App Store is a catalog. Yeah, and Microsoft is buying the resources to build out their catalog. I'm trying to think of a, a, a space that isn't moving into some type of catalog of like we have all these great things. Use our service instead of theirs. Well, I mean, we're we're in a whole. I don't know if it's a bubble, but like right now, subscriptions are the hottest business model when it comes to like any sort of like media or content business because it, it, it's predictable right re- recurring revenue so it's like stable yeah companies can forecast that and when you can forecast the money that coming in they can do inform their business more to make better business decisions because they know how much revenue they're going to have like on a baseline so that, that, that that's what's driving all of this and as a consumer it's pretty great but you lack ownership but at the same time right like you could pay 60 bucks for a new game or you go to game pass and it's like what 10, 10 bucks a month so over the course of the year, like you pay $120, which if you're buying maybe two games a year, but it's pretty average, you get access to every game in there, new new and old. I mean, it's a really good deal. And it's like a way for Microsoft to like monetize old content and like make sure that whether you were going to buy two games a year or not, you're always going to at least at the very minimum have two games a year. We can go much deeper into subscription revenue models, <laughs> but this is a podcast about, about, about terms of services here. <laughs> But re- very relevant tangent as we are talking yeah. about Twitch, which is, again, the premier destination to go stream uh, your games. Uh, and, hey, if you want to follow me, I, I have a Warzone stream. I'm trash. And it's a, gr- it's a great time. Uh, so give me a follow at T-I-P-P-I-E-R. S-U-B-Z-E-R-O. I think it's my full name. That's Tipier Sub-Zero. Does Twitch have any subscription-based models? I would assume. You can like, subscribe to individual contributors, right? Like, like to a stream. Yes. Yes, you can. Cause like, that's how they're, that's one way that in which Twitch does monetize their, their, their channel is through those subscription services. Um, and if you didn't know everybody that has Amazon prime, you do get a monthly credit for one channel. So you can use your Twitch prime to go subscribe to a channel and get all the custom actions for that. So fun fact, if you have Amazon prime once a month, you get like five bucks to, to subscribe to a channel. So go use it. This podcast today is brought to you by Twitch. <laughs> Amazon Prime Twitch. We just keep on slotting in the spots where, where sponsors could be. We're working on it, Doug. You know, mm-hmm. we're seeing how seeing how it comes together, you know. The metronome of the metronome of the mind. Well, Doug, what we can do here, because we've been talking for a while, we had some pretty solid tangents. We we can close out section eight and we'll and we'll put a pin in this and we'll come back next week to do 
section two or part two of Twitch Terms of Service because another 10 sections ahead. Another 10 sections to go. You know what? We, we actually pause here. We're not, we're not going to finish section eight because I'm looking at section eight. It's like three pages. Oh, I think section eight <laughs> is the longest section. No, because then section nine follows and it is equally as long, if not longer. And spoiler alert, section nine is all about things you can't do on Twitch. <laughs> Which tune in next time to figure out what you may or may not be able to do do on twitch well listeners we'll, we'll leave it there for tonight uh we're stopping at section eight we'll be in, we'll be back next week with part two of twitch twitch.tv terms of service um thank you all for listening i hope you're asleep by now and aren't even listening to us and i hope you're enjoying the show so if you have time definitely give us a review on apple Podcasts. we'd appreciate it let us know how you like this new audio dialogue format um we're enjoying it we're having a good time uh we think again we're really trying to test out this theory of this dialogue as a metronome of the mind uh, to help people kind of gently fall asleep so let us know your thoughts we'd love to hear from you if it's working and uh i guess everybody enjoy your night i mean doug you got anything else here to, to sign off we should work on a sign off yeah doug's doug's yawning so i think i think this episode is at least putting him to sleep, which is good. I can confirm that after an hour and a half talking about terms of service, I am quite, I'm quite tired. That's the theory that we're testing. Um, again, I hope everybody's enjoying the show. And Doug, we'll be back next week. So good night, everybody.